Oh, need to recover from that. Well, good morning. My name is Greg Vaccaro. I'm one of the pastors here. It's so good to see you all here. Thank you for being here. We are continuing this morning in our series, Fulfilled. It's our Christmas series. We're looking at the prophecy in the Old Testament and how Jesus came and he fulfilled that prophecy. Uh, last week, Ed started off the series with a message entitled, Anybody Remember? He had this really cool video, and it talked about it. Anybody remember the title of last week's message? It was, What's All the Buzz About? You know, and the buzz is this. Like, there's a baby that has come that's been born to a virgin. And, and like, Isaiah prophesied this 700 years before Jesus came. You know, I, I was thinking, what would it be like today to be a prophet and to try to prophesy something that, that you know is going to come many, many years from now. Like, would it be that, you know, ordinary people go to space? Nope, sorry, that's already happened, right? Like, what would you prophesy? Not that you make it up, but like, doesn't it, don't you hope it kind of seems possible? But yet the reality is when you're, when you're prophesying that a virgin is going to have a baby, you're like, uh, <laughs> that's kind of hard to do, isn't it? It's really impossible when you consider the biology. But, but Isaiah prophesied that not knowing how it was going to be fulfilled. And Jesus came and he fulfilled that prophecy. So if God had a purpose and a plan for Jesus coming, does God have a purpose and a plan for your life, for my life? Right? What we discovered last, last week is, yes, God does have a purpose and a plan for us. His plan was to send Jesus that we would have relationship with him, that he would, we would have forgiveness with him. So this morning, we're going to be talking about being a messenger. And we're going to look at how God always sends a messenger in our lives. He sent a messenger before Jesus came. Someone to say to the people that Jesus was coming. And, and you know what? God sends messengers in our life. He sent someone to each one of us that know Jesus to tell us about the good news. And God also calls us to be a messenger as well. So we're going to be looking at the combination of all of those this morning as we look at the prophecy and, and the fulfillment of the prophecy. We're going to start in Luke 3. So before I begin reading, I just want to make sure we all understand who was Luke. Was Luke a disciple? No, he wasn't a disciple. Luke wasn't even Jewish. He was a Gentile. He was a friend of Paul's. Right, Luke wrote the book of Luke, and he also wrote the book of Acts. And he was a physician, so he's giving us an account that's like, it's, it's from an outsider looking in. He had a lot of interviews with people to put this book together. But he's writing to all people, not just to Jews. He's really writing more to the non-Jewish or to the Gentile, or probably to you and I, right? So, so that's the basis with, with which he's writing the book. And he starts off chapter 3 with a little bit of who's who. And, and I'm only going to say some of these so that you kind of get the context of, of who is Luke writing to and, and what's the period of time that he's writing in it. So it tells us it was the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius, the Roman Empire. So in the Roman Empire, they had an emperor, Tiberius. They were under Roman rule. The Jews did not want to be under Roman rule, right? That's number one that we need to learn from this. So, so Tiberius is the emperor. Pontius Pilate was the governor over Judea. So as you read the Christmas story, you might hear Pontius Pilate, right? He's the guy that has the trial over Jesus. That's, that's who he was. Herod Antipas is the ruler over Galilee. His brother Philip, I'm not going to go into who he was. But then we're going to pick up verse 2. Annas and Caiaphas were the high priests. 
Now, Paul is, I mean, Luke is slipping something in here. Right? Did you notice? He's, he's giving us two names as the high priests. But in Jewish law, there's only one high priest. You never have two high priests. Right? So why would he be telling us Annas and Caiaphas are the high priests? He's kind of letting you know it's kind of messed up right now. What, what had gone on was Annas was the high priest, but he wasn't friendly enough to Rome. So Rome put his son-in-law Caiaphas in as high priest. And now they've got two high priests where Rome would only tell you they got one. It's Caiaphas, right? But, it's, but Luke is telling us in so many words, yeah, things are kind of messed up right now. We've got Annas and we've got Caiaphas as high priest. So he's calling a spade a spade because that's what was going on. But the Roman emperor would tell you, no, there was only one, one high priest going on. So isn't it interesting, right? Right at a time when the Jewish faith is under attack, and now where they've always had one high priest, they've got two high priests, and, and things are perhaps starting to veer off course. It says, at this time, a message from God came to John, son of Zechariah, who is living in the wilderness. Isn't, isn't it so cool that God sends us a message right at, the, right at the time that we need to get that message, right? It, it may look like, wow, I was talking with a brother this morning. You know, the world can look dark right now when you see what's going on and you look to Ukraine and Russia and, and all these other things that are happening. But when it starts getting dark, the light shines even brighter, doesn't it, right? And that's what God has called us to be. He's called us to be the light. So right at this time of craziness, God gives a message to John, the son of Zechariah. So who is John? It says John was in the wilderness, so you know what? He's probably not the socialite. He's probably not, uh, you know, the person that everybody flocks around. Because he's out in the wilderness, he's a little bit isolated. But John isn't just an ordinary Joe or an ordinary John. If, If you read the story about John... Even before he was born, there were angels that announced to his parents who were in old age, just like Abraham and Sarah, when when the angel told them they were going to have a baby, right? John, the same way, his his father, uh, Zachariah, was a high priest. So he was a PK. He was a preacher's kid. He grew up in a a religious home, right? But um, John's birth was foretold. That's, that's the amazing thing about it. So he's not just a nobody. He's a somebody. He's been marked, but he's been out in the wilderness. He's just doing his thing until God says, okay, John, now I want you to get going. Right? There was a start to his ministry. He, he knew from birth right, that he was a marked, a marked child. His parents knew that. But there came a, an appointed time. And now we see as we, as we look into verse 3, it says, Then John went from place to place on both sides of the Jordan River, preaching that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. So why did John go from one place to another? You know what? I believe it was the Spirit of God in him saying, John, go. Like, it's time. Go. Give the message. And he's telling them all to do what? To be baptized, but to be baptized for two reasons. Because you've repented of your sins and you've turned to God to be forgiven. This was such a radical message to the Jews, right? They, they knew about a Messiah coming, but John is now telling him, no, this is the time. You need to do it now. You need to repent of your sins. See, I don't know about you, but I grew up in a, in a family where I believe that if I just live a good life and I, and I try to you know, do right by my neighbor, then that's going to get me into heaven. Anybody else grow up believing like that? Yeah, but you know what? You don't find that in the Bible, right? The Bible doesn't say live a good life and you'll get into heaven. The Bible says 
that we're all sinners and we're saved by grace. That's why Jesus came to earth to save us, to pay the penalty for our sin. So John is preaching this message that, no, it's not just enough to live a good life. You've got to repent of your sins. You've got to turn to God and be forgiven. And it was just as radical then as it is now, right? That, that so many of us would, would grow up believing, oh, it's just, you know what, I just got to live a good life, probably do more good than bad, and that's going to get me into heaven. No, the message of John then and the message of John now is you need to turn. You need to repent. So what is repentance? Repentance is I'm walking in this direction, And then I make a turn. I turn a whole 180. And I'm turning from my sin and I'm turning to Jesus. And I'm saying, Lord Jesus, I need you. I need you in my life. God, Jesus, you came to earth and you died and you gave your life to me. Now I'm going to give my life to you because God has a purpose. We looked at that last week. He's got a plan for us. How will I ever fulfill his plan if I don't give myself to him? Right. So so maybe we're living a life today where it's like, yeah, you know what? It's, it's okay. It's great. Well, did you know that God has a plan and a purpose for your life? If you're not stepping into that, you're missing something. You're missing the best part of why we were created as human beings. And that's to have a relationship with Jesus. So I would ask you this. Just like John was a messenger before Jesus came. He was a messenger to tell people about Jesus. Who's been the messenger in your life? Right? Who, who has come and shared Jesus with you to tell you about the gospel? Right? Has there been a person that, that has come to you and shared that with you? I can tell you for myself, this was my messenger. This is my mom, Marion. She's been, she's been with the Lord now for 13 years, but just seeing her picture again brings it all back. But her and her dad accepted Jesus as Savior when I was 10. And, you know, we were just a good family going to Catholic church. I was an altar boy. My dad was on the parish council. But my oldest sister told my parents there's more to God than just going to the Catholic church. My oldest sister was the messenger to my parents. But my mom was the messenger to me. I remember after she got, she accepted Jesus as her savior. We were still going to the Catholic church. It was a wonderful time. But I saw my mom change. She was reading the Bible when I left for school. She was reading the Bible when I got home. And I'm like, Mom, why are you reading the Bible so much? Like, you've never done this before. What happened? And my mom shared Jesus with me and gave me a Bible and told me about a prayer in the back of the Bible. So I started to read the Bible for the first time in my life. I was in fifth grade. Right, so, so parents, if you've got kids and you don't think they can understand salvation at a young age, I'm a living testimony that I was radically changed in fifth grade. Right, so, so my mom was the messenger to me. How many of you have come to faith because a family member or, or a friend shared Jesus with you? I want to see your hands. See, so you all know who your messengers are. Right, that, that there was a messenger that was sent to you just like John was sent to tell the people, hey, this is the truth. This is the way of the gospel. We all have a messenger in our lives. But you know what? God doesn't just want us to receive the message. What does he want us to do? He also wants us to be a messenger, right? Us, us to share the good news of Jesus. So now it's picture time, all right? Get ready for this one. This is me in high school, all right? <laughs> This is me in high school. You might notice that little caption. I don't know if you can read it, but I was voted as a senior as class musician. So I, trombone was my thing, right? I, I learned how to play trombone in fourth grade. 
In fifth grade, I told you, I accepted Jesus as my Savior. And I was so on fire for God that my mom worked in a Christian bookstore. And I went to this bookstore and I got two bumper stickers. Because in the 70s, man, bumper stickers were a thing, okay? You know? Um, so one bumper sticker said, Jesus saves. I don't know if you, you remember back then, but like that was a, something that was on, written on you know, billboards and stuff. Jesus saves. So I had a bumper sticker that said, Jesus saves. And I knew myself, I put a bumper sticker on the other side of my trombone case so I could never like hold the bumper sticker against my leg. Whichever way I was holding it, someone would always see a bumper sticker. And the other one said, Christ is the answer. So here I am in fifth grade. I'm bringing my trombone to school probably three days a week from, from fifth grade all the way to the senior in high school, right? And wherever I go, I am a walking billboard for the Lord, right? And, and believe me, it wasn't always good, right? I, in junior high, they're brutal. I had people like, you're a Jesus freak and blah, blah, blah. But it was those same kids that would come to me saying, Greg, I need prayer. Like I'm going through a situation, right? Because they knew I was a believer. I wasn't hiding it. God had called me to be their messenger. So, so now fast forward from a, a senior in high school where everyone recognized that, okay, this is the Clash musician. Well, the Clash musician had a walking billboard wherever he went with his trombone case, right? But it says this in 2 Corinthians 5.20. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. You know, God has called each one of us to be his ambassador. And the thing that's really cool about ambassadors is they don't get to just make up what they want to do. They kind of have to do it at the bidding of whoever made them ambassador, right? So, so it would not be okay if our ambassadors to a foreign country just started going rogue and making their own foreign policy. No, it's got to be consistent with what, the, what their leaders have asked them to do. And in the same way, us as ambassadors for Jesus... We're not going rogue. We're, we've got to share the love of Jesus as he asked us to, right? To share that with other people. So this past week, I spent some time with Bo Chansey. I've been trying to, to meet other pastors and work on building unity in the church across Manchester. So I met with Bo and, and just had a great time over coffee, getting to know him, him getting to know me and sharing our hearts together. And, and if you know Bo at all, like he is on a mission and his life's mission is pray for one. And in that statement, encapsulate everything he believes. It's the vision for his church. It's not going to change, right? But, but he is so passionate about pray for one. What does it mean? Pray for one is being God's ambassador. It's saying, Lord, can I pray for one person that I know that doesn't know you? And I could be the messenger to, to bring Jesus to that person. Because, you know... Whether you're here and you're a believer, you're not here, and you've never, you've never believed in Jesus before, it's only God drawing us that makes us believe, right? The Holy Spirit has to work in our lives. And Bo is like, pray for that person. Pray for that one and ask God, Lord, would you start to work on them that they might come to know you as Savior and they might find life in Jesus and find purpose and find the plan that you have for them. That's what pray for one is. And that's what we do as ambassadors, to pray for one, to be that person, to stand in the gap, to pray and say, Lord, give me an opportunity to share Jesus. So, you know, the amazing thing about John is, okay, John brings this message, but all right, he's also like eating locusts and, and, and wearing crazy clothes. And, and you might look at him in the scripture and say, yeah, John was one of those guys. He was a little bit out there. He was a little weird. He might have been, you know, John, is it really the truth or is it just fake news that you're bringing, right? Um, so Luke goes on 
And this is where the story gets super amazing, right? Because Luke tells us this, that Isaiah had spoken of John when he said, he's a voice shouting in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. The valleys will be made, the valleys will be filled and the mountains and the hills will be made level. The curves will be straightened. The rough places made smooth. And then all people will see the salvation sent from God. So, so this John preaching had, had ended a 400-year silence in a prophetic uh, word from the church, right? So, so this hadn't happened for 400 years to have a prophet come on the scene. And Luke is telling us that, okay, 700 years ago, Isaiah prophesied about John coming. And this is what he was going to, this is how we referred to him, that he's the voice shouting in the wilderness. So why did he go through all this, prepare the way of the Lord? Like, you know, clear the road for him. The valleys will be filled. So, so in that time, if a king was going to go visit another king, that king sent out people to like make sure the road is clear, like straighten the road, repair it, get ready for the arrival of the king. And I, and I want to just address something. So, so how do we prepare to make way for the Lord, right? Some of us might feel that, you know what, I can't come to Jesus. Like I'm wearing filthy rags. Like why would I come into his presence? He doesn't want to see me. He, he knows what I've done. Jesus doesn't want me right now because of what I've done or where I've lived or, or what I've said. But that's not preparing the way for the Lord. Preparing the way for the Lord and making it straight is taking all that baggage and kind of putting it off to the side and saying, Jesus, I'm not going to let my baggage prevent me from coming to you. That's preparing the way of the Lord. Jesus is the one that does the work in our lives. He's just saying, don't let wherever you've lived and whatever you've done prevent you from coming to me. That's what prepare the way of the Lord means. So so if you're here this morning and maybe you're hearing this message of the gospel or you're hearing this message that, that, you know, we need to repent of our sins and turn to Jesus. And maybe for the first time it's clicking and you're starting to get that sense like, I, I don't know what's happening, but I'm feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm being drawn. I need to know this Jesus that died for my sins. Could I be your messenger today? Like, is that a possibility? I, I think it is, right? I've prayed that, Lord, use me as I'm up here speaking, that if anyone here, if you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, today could be your day of salvation. So verse 6, it says, and then all people will see the salvation sent from God. That was Jesus. But Luke wanted to make it super clear. This is not just for Jews. This is for all people that you would, that all would know who Jesus is, right? God's call is to all of us. Nobody's an outsider. Nobody's on the outside, right? Jesus, Jesus doesn't allow that to happen. So how many of you have ever played the game of pool? Anybody? I used to be actually pretty good at pool because for a whole summer that's we were out, living out in Utah. My dad was on assignment. He took us kids with him. And pretty much the only thing to do in the clubhouse was to play pool. So I played pool every day. And I started to get pretty good. But you know, as I was learning how to play pool, if you never played before, you have stripes and you have solids and you've got to sink one, one or the other until you, you sink the eight ball. And then when you get to sink the eight ball, you've, not, you've got to call the pocket that it's going to go in. And this is why it's important. Because when I was first starting, like I would tell my sisters that I was playing with, okay, I'm going to put this ball in that pocket and I'd shoot and the ball would go in, but it wouldn't go in that pocket. It would like bounce, bounce, bounce and go in some other pocket. Totally crazy, right? So for the eight ball, if you did that, you, you had to, it wasn't okay just to sink it. You had to say where you were going to sink it. So now think about 
a prophetic word. Right? God is not only calling the pocket. He called the pocket 700 years before they even played the game. Like, is that crazy or what? Right? And, and God just doesn't call the eight ball. He calls every ball because he's got a plan for us. He's got a plan for your life and my life that, that he would prophetically say 700 years before John came that this is going to be the messenger. And God knows already who is going to be your messenger and who are you going to be the messenger to. God already knows that. It's a plan. It's a purpose. It's unfolding. So that's what Isaiah prophesying, prophesying about John was like. And if, and if that wasn't enough, there was angels and there was miracles that John's parents were, were too old to even bear children. But an angel came and told him, no, you're going to have a child. And, and then John's dad, Zachariah, is like mute because, because of, of what the angel had told him and what he, what he believed in his heart. So like even from the beginning, God had such an amazing plan. If we could see that with John, if we could see that with Jesus, I want us to make the connection and see that with ourselves, right? That God has a plan for each one of us in the same way. So why does it seem sometime that it takes so long to see God's blessing, right? Why does it seem sometime like it takes so long to see God's plan unfold, right? So we, it's amazing that we sang that song, The Blessing, and, and, and we had that time of saying, okay, we, we see his blessing, but sometimes it's still the promise of his blessing we haven't entered into. But this is what God says in his word, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to to repent. So how many of us would say, thank you, Jesus, that you're patient with me? Right? Of course. Like, we should all be raising our hands. Thank God that you're patient with me. But yet at at the same time, place aren't we impatient sometimes like god when are you going to move in this person's life or when are you going to move in my kids or well he was patient with us god's got a plan he's he's got a time he understands how how we work and he is so gracious he is he is never forcing himself on us he's waiting because he's just waiting for us to come and he's praying for us to come see we can't see the plan but know this, God with intention is sinking every ball, right? It's not that there's any by accident that these things that are happening in your life, they're not by accident. God is, God is aware of it. He's ordained it. He's in it. We give him thanks in it. And you're going to see the promise fulfilled in our, in our lives. But now I got to ask you this question. You know, we talked about um, coming to know Jesus and, and giving him our life as he's given his life for us. Have you ever made the connection that, okay, coming to church isn't what gets you to heaven? Like, I used to think that. If I go to church and I'm a good person, I'm going to get into heaven, right? Coming to church doesn't get you into heaven any more than sleeping in a garage overnight makes your car, right? So, so coming to church isn't what it's all about. It's a relationship with Jesus that matters, right? It's, it's me saying, God, I need to turn away from my sin and I need to turn to you for forgiveness. And just as Jesus gave his life for us, I need to give my life to him and say, Lord, I want to fulfill the plan and the purpose that you have for me. So now I want to ask you this, this important question. If you have never prayed a prayer to invite Jesus into your heart and to forgive your sins, would today be your day? See, I, I, I like to ask people, how do you know you're going to heaven? And, and a lot of times the answers I, I get back is, well, because I've done good or I lived right. And I'm, I'm like, you know what? How would you know if you were ever married? 
How would you know if you're married? Well, it's pretty simple. It's not just because you wear a ring on your finger. You had a wedding day, right? <laughs> right? Anybody that got married had a wedding day. Someone gave their life to them, and they gave their life to that other person in the, in the wedding vows of marriage. And that's what it's like to come to know Jesus personally. We have a wedding day. And, and it's not a wedding day that, that we necessarily say vows, but, you know, we're saying a prayer to him, saying, God, I'm going to give you my life just as Jesus has given his life to me. And I, wanna, I want you to forgive me of my sins, Lord, but I want to fulfill what you've called me to fulfill. So could we just bow our heads as, as we're getting ready to close service? If you're here this morning, could I be your messenger today? Like, I don't know if I could be. I don't know if it's God's timing for you. But, but if you're here this morning and for, for whatever reason, what I'm saying is starting to click with you like it's never clicked before. I'm inviting you to pray a prayer with me. But just so I know that, that we're praying this prayer together, would you raise your hand so I could see who I'm praying with today? If you've never received Jesus, yeah, just raise your hand so that I know. Thank you. I see those hands. I see that hand. Anyone else? If you've never prayed to receive Jesus as your Savior and to to ask him forgiveness for your sins, that you would live for him and fulfill his plan and purpose, just raise your hand so we can pray together. Thank you. See that hand. All right, let's pray. If you just all pray with me right now, um, I'll say the words and you repeat after me. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you for coming to earth and dying in my place. For my sins. I ask you forgiveness. And I invite you into my heart. To be my savior. To be my Lord. Help me live for you. Help me to fulfill the plan you have for me. In Jesus name I pray. Amen. You know so if you're here and you prayed that prayer. Or if you're online and you prayed that prayer, I'd like to give you a book. Just come up and see me afterwards. It's called Living in Christ. It's going to help you understand, okay, how do we grow in Christ? This is just the beginning. To pray a prayer is is just the beginning. And it's it's not our words. It's what's in our heart that matters, right? But, But you're stepping into something now. It's a relationship with Jesus. And this book is going to help you understand that. So I want to say one other thing is as we, uh, as we close. You know, for a lot of us, you have given your life to Jesus. You have a messenger that's come to you and shared Jesus with you. Well, what is God's call to all of us? It's for us to be that ambassador, to be that messenger. So I want to challenge us with this question. Have you ever prayed a prayer that says, Lord, this is what I'm going to do. Would you bless what I'm going to do? Right? I pray that prayer a lot. And you know what? I'm starting to get a better sense as I go to the Lord in prayer that, God, it's not my plans I'm asking you to bless. Lord, I'm asking you that I can see your plans and be a part of what you're already blessing. Amen? So, So this whole idea of pray for one... I'd like us to take that with us this week. As, you know, we gave out invitation cards to Christmas service and Christmas Eve service uh, last week. But whether you have an invitation card or not, it, it's simply just talking about your faith and, and being open with the people you, you know and love, maybe their family members, maybe their coworkers, and saying, hey, like, do you know Jesus or you just know about Jesus? That's a great way to ask someone, you know, where do they stand? Um, but God has asked us, to to all start to pray for one because that's what it is to be an ambassador. As we start to pray, God, would you you give me opportunities? Would you help me be a neighbor? Would you help me love other people? 
um, I know that God is the one that's calling the shots, right? But now I just want to be available. God, would you use me? Would you stand as we close in prayer today? If you're online and you want one of these books, you know what? The best thing to do is just go down on the Shiloh website where it says contact us and just make a request and we'll send it to you, okay? Thanks for doing that. Well, Father God, I I thank you for this time we've had this morning. Lord Jesus, just as John stepped into something that, that you had prepared for him, he was your messenger. God, I thank you that you've got a messenger for each one of us. And Lord, that you've called each one of us then to also be a messenger. So God, this week... Lord, let us not ask you to bless our plans, but God, we want to be a part of what you're blessing. We want to step into your will for our lives, Lord, for your will for us to be an ambassador to others, to to show people the love of Jesus and to share the love of Jesus with them. So God, I, I thank you, Lord, for each one that's come here today. I thank you that your spirit is personal. Lord, your spirit knows each one, knows their name, knows what they're going through. So Lord, would you bless each of us today? I thank you for that, Lord. And, and God, as we go now into a time of celebration, Lord, we thank you for just all that you're doing in our midst and, and how you're using us as a church. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you so much for being here. You can head outside to the food truck. If you're online, you're invited. We're going to be here till 12. So God bless you all. If anyone wants prayer, please feel free to come forward. We'll pray with you.